152 yards should be just a nice, comfortable nine iron for him. They're going to go nuts when he hits this thing. Yo, yo, welcome in, you bunch of golf degenerates. This is your weekly golf gambling club meeting. My name, Joe Idoni. Welcome to the Preferred Lines podcast. This is a golf gambling podcast streamed live on YouTube and Twitter. Also will be available in audio form uh, on iTunes and Spotify shortly after here. But always appreciate those who take the time to go to YouTube and watch. Uh, If you're there, give it a thumbs up or a like. Here's what we got on tap. For the FedEx Cup playoffs, quick course preview. I'm going to run you through some key stats and important data that I will look at this week. I'm going to go through the entire odds boards with BK here. Going to bring him up in just a minute. I'll give my best bet of the week. As always, if you have any questions at all, feel free to drop them in the chat and we will do our best to get to them. Uh, I'll finish off with my final thoughts segment. Uh, You may notice Sick Preferred Lines t-shirt. They are available now. I'm, I'm running low, so if you want one, Slide in the DMs. It's 25 bucks. Include shipping. High quality cotton heavy tea. Those who've got it know the deal. Um, I appreciate all you guys who have done so. Course preview. Let's get to it. Uh, brought to you by our sponsor, Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, happy to be a part of their team over there. Work closely with them on the rollout. Lines 22. Lines 22 is the promo code that'll get you 10% off a sub package. My boy Huntman and Scott put together a fantastic course preview that I'm going to probably steal some notes from in a second. Um, they did a great job earlier today. Appreciate them. Okay. We're at TPC Southwind. We've been here a lot over the years. It's a par 70, just over 7,200 yards. Not long, but also not like Sedgefield short. I'll get to that later. Um, four par threes, two par fives, Bermuda grass greens, like quick, fast Bermuda grass greens, like mid, I'm talking mid summer Bermuda. Uh, that gets electric, that gets slick. Um, kind of like the Wyndham last week so those were those greens were tough man like i've never seen so many guys running by six feet past the hole not as undulating as you saw at sedgefield but still going to be tough 11 holes with water in play fairways are, are zoysia uh so we're getting a little zoysia action tonight just wanted to say that cut line my guess three under par sounds right previous champions abe answer justin thomas brooks kepka DJ, Daniel Berger, they all live on the same block in Jupiter, Florida. Um, there's your commonality. There's your strokes gain. Number one stat of the week. Notes, got to control your ball off the tee this week. There will be blood, or in this case, water. Minus 16 last year got you into a three-way playoff. That was Mr. Answer. That was Mr. Burns and Mr. Matsuyama. Abe outdueled them. Uh, re- you know, it's like TPC course, like rewards you um in terms of risk reward on some holes there's a good sort of closing stretch that usually brings some excitement there will be plenty of birdies out there as with any sort of tpc course but there's a really strong combination of a lot of birdies eagle opportunities and also like disaster doubles triples out there uh given the water longish par fours that often require positional tee shot uh shorter side in terms of the par threes very much a tee to green test. Putting is like meh, like not hard from the perspective of difficulty, 
but I wouldn't say it lacks importance here. Um, like I, a lot of people turn to that. I know Thomas, I think lost strokes putting Brooks lost strokes putting, uh, but last year, 10 of the top 12 gained at least one and a half strokes putting. So it is important. Rory, LOL, Rory, classic Rory last year gained 12.3 ball striking, uh, finished in ninth, lost six with the short game around the green and putting. I kind of liken it to, to Honda, um, especially the greens, like the Bermuda, the sort of dried out, um, not rel- overly long, but a lot of water, a lot of trouble. Key stats. T to green and ball striking week. Of course, ball striking kind of negates the around the green stuff. It's basically you're you're off the tee and your approach combined. Uh, looking at those birdie or better rates, smallish greens, all things considered, um, especially for a Bermuda course, like you usually don't see them this small. Bogey avoidance, I'm going to factor in, just kind of gives you an idea of who's able to avoid disaster. Par four scoring, particularly over 450 yards. Believe there are eight of them on the card this week. A little bit of course history. I'm here to get to the betting board right now, courtesy of our friends Fantasy Golf Pod. My boy Chad, uh, his guy Darbo, Eric, Josh, they do a great job. Happy to uh, you know to support them. They support me. I support them. That's the way we roll around here. And Without further ado, speaking of support, welcome to Preferred Lines at Brian Kirshner. What's up, Brian? What's good, dude? Joe, how you doing? Absolute pleasure to be on tonight. You know, we finally get a really excellent PGA Tour event with a stacked field, interesting course. So we're going to savor these next uh, two weeks, I would say, because it's going to go south pretty quick. Uh, But yeah, I can't wait. This is going to be a very exciting week, I believe. Let's savor it. But I don't want to just like brush over your huge win last week with Tom Kim. You are becoming... (laughs) A prolific winner in the outright no. market, my man. What put you? What put you on, old Ju Young? Like, let me ask you this. I want to ask. I want your perspective on this because I kind of thought about this, and I've got something in my final thoughts. Starting with a quad, do you think like him being able to rebound that has anything to do with like his age and like how young? Like, do you think a a thirty five year old Kevin Kisner would have mailed it in after a quad, or was like like how impressive was that performance? Absolutely. I think you nailed it right on the head. I I do not believe a seasoned veteran on tour um, could bounce back from something like that. But just given his age and his talent, I just think that he so desperately wanted a win. And he just doesn't have that much experience on a PGA on the PGA tour for so for something like that to happen to him. I think it was very quickly. He was very quick to just brush it off and yeah. be like, you know what? Like, this is not over. And if he finished T7 or T5, it still would have been an unbelievable story. He just happened to run so hot all week that he wound up with a four-shot lead. It's so hot all week. And there's something I, – I totally agree with you, by the way. There's something about – um just like a youthful exuberance in terms of like just being excited to be there, being able to move on quickly from a mistake. Like even just – like the willingness to accept a mistake and move on, like as a 19 year old or whatever Tom Kim was like, I made mistakes all the time. I moved on quickly. Like now as a 36 year old, they stick with me a little bit longer. Um, But it was exciting to see him get it done. Nonetheless, without further talk on that, let's switch it over to the St. Jude. You mentioned the strength of the field. I'm going to bring up the odds checker grid here. Let's just talk top of the board, brother. Um, Rory's up top. Cam Smith is 16 to one. Scotty Scheffler's the same number. JT is there. Patrick Cantlay. These are all guys sub 20 to one. Of course, Xander Shoffley. 
it's been a while since we like seen a field like this. It's been a while since we've seen Rory, since we've seen our boy Cam, since we've seen Scotty. Like, you think do you expect any rust? Do you see yourself moving like on a bet at the top of the board? Yeah, I think the top of the board is obviously extremely stacked. It's almost like a obviously like a major field. And I think the thing that's so great about this week, which I think is a reason why everyone should be wagering on it is that we're actually getting really great numbers on a lot of different golfers that we don't normally get. And we've kind of been on this run on the PGA tour where just top guys have been winning every single week. Now, a lot of that is kind of influenced by Tony Finau going back to back at two of the smaller field events, but even Tom Kim, I mean, now he's 21st in the world. So Obviously, this is not this pretty obvious statement. There is a lot of win equity up here. I do believe the winner will come at the top. And my favorite play at the top of the board is easily not even a question is going to be Patrick Hanley. I will be betting him this week and he will be um, on my betting card. But he's he's easily my favorite play at the top. Who who do you like at the top of the board this week? I mean, best in I would say. I don't know about best incoming form if you like just look at their starts, but in terms of like if you look at the last like four to six weeks, he's played the most. So we know yep. that he's gotten sort of tournament reps in, um, had a bunch of close calls, made a run there. Um, what was that, the 3M or the Rocket yep. where he tried to chase down Finau? So he's been good. I, I jupe life, right? It fits yeah. the narrative of like Berger. He lives on the street with JT and Brooks and all them. So um, certainly falls into that. I think 18 to one is a very solid number. I reluctantly am probably not going to bet anyone. And I say reluctantly, it's always been sort of my strategy for the most part, like sub 18 to one. But recently it's it's causing me to rethink this. I talked a little bit about it last week, I think with Rick on his show. And I'm like, is this just like, do you, do you change your strategy when things it's just, is it just happenstance? Is it just what is occurring right now or is it more indicative of like an actual change in terms of are the favorites hitting more for a reason or is that just what's happening i think it's just what's happening like we haven't seen a long shot in a while i think that we're due um probably not coming here but i also think that there's a little bit more value slightly further down the board if i were going to pick one i i think justin thomas is probably my favorite given his course history here um, given the fact that, uh, you know, he's played well, he was in fantastic form, except when he went to, to Europe. And that's yep. kind of been his knack throughout his career. He's just never played the open well. Uh, so I'm not going to necessarily hold that against him. I think being back on Bermuda, being back at a place where he's won sort of in relatively spectacular fashion when he did so 18 to one. I think is a pretty fair number on JT, you know, given what he was to win like the open, what he was to win the U S open, like 18 to one seems, seems good. Yeah. I thought he was actually going to be shorter this week, just given his course history here. So I think that maybe, you know, we, we thought he was going to be lower. He's actually at a better number. So I think that could be a good play. But my thing with Cantley this week is that I've felt like we've seen a lot of winners recently, really show the form before they were about to win. And I think a lot of guys at the top of the board this week maybe already peaked, maybe already got their big win of the season. Scotty Scheffler, Xander, Cam Smith, JT. Like, um, Cantley does not have that big win yet. He does not have this big win of the season. And you just look at the recent form and how consistently well he's playing – I mean, his worst result in the last six start is a 14th at the Travelers where he was, you know, the leader going into the final day. So 
just given his form, um, given the fact that he does not have a big win this year and just how good across he is across the board, I think he's the best um, play at the top. And I'll be heavily invested in both the outright market and in DraftKings this week. Yeah, 10-3 on DraftKings I think is fair. He definitely rides form. Like, he did it through the very early season around, like, Amex toward the end of last year where he just, like, consistently you can, like, book him for a top eight. Hit a little bit of a lull midseason. I don't think that, like, at this point, he seems like the type of guy where majors would be his thing. And, and not so much majors, but, like, like, when the course gets really difficult, he seems like he has the – the focus and the mental ability to really hone in, but that hasn't necessarily proven true. He's almost one more in like birdie fest type environment. So if this thing can get to 18 to 20 under par, I think he makes a lot of sense. Uh, just kind of perusing down the rest of the board. John Rahm is 22 to one on Vandal. Wow. I I'm with you there. Let's just stop. Let's pause with John Rahm because I am with you there. The number makes sense. And there was a time where I would just bet, the fading like superstar that's drifting on the odds board to a number you wouldn't see him just blindly take him it doesn't feel like that's the case right now it feels like you have to show signs of life it doesn't have to be like four or five consecutive starts but i want to see like two consecutive good starts where your irons are clicking where you seem to have good like top 15 top 20 finishes and he's just been a disappointment all year i'm not ready to back him here uh, 100%. I, I'm with you there. I was, you know, making some odds projections last night because I couldn't wait a, a couple hours to get them out. And I was going through them and I literally got through like 25 to one and I completely forgot about John Rom. And that wasn't just because I had a couple celebratory beers because I just think there's so many more people that you have to price lower than him. In this event, like there is absolutely no reason why he should be shorter odds to win a golf tournament right now than Tony Finau and Xander Shoffley. Like there's just no way, in my opinion, that he should be. So I think 22 is a fair number. I think he's finally priced right. Um, And yeah, I have no problem fading him this week and not backing it because like you've pointed out, he just hasn't had the season that he's had in the past. And I'm with you that I do not believe that it is just going to come into fruition um, at this event this week. Yeah. Finau, you mentioned his name is right there at 22 to one. Can you come in any hotter than back-to-back PGA tour wins? Doesn't happen. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick also coming off a U.S. open win, took some weeks off, played the open championship. Well, he complained a little bit there. He didn't love the course setup, still played pretty well. They're both 22. I like them both. And then, um, your boy Zalatoris is here at 28 to one. It feels there. Have you seen enough from him? Like I, when I watched him last week, he seemed, he seems more maybe irritable. Like he doesn't seem like he's just like happy out there. He looked like a little, he was starting to get a little bit of grumpy. He's a seasoned vet. Like he's already a seasoned vet on the PGA tour at this point in his career with the runner ups he's had. He, he's a total, total seasoned vet. So is time? He, he is not your, he is not your best bet of the week. No, he's not. Okay, I was a little bit worried. I was just, I just thought it might have been we were both going to be on the same guy. But yeah, obviously, I'm backing Zalatoris this week pretty heavy. I knew even before I had my morning coffee that I would have a substantial amount of money on Will Zalatoris to win this week. You know, I'm not, you know, inventing the wheel or anything. You know, there are a lot of signs to point to him winning this event this week or this being a event in which he will have continued success in his career 
eighth place finish here last year. The putter was hot last year, gained 3.6 strokes. Um, putting, you know, average ball striking um, display. But I think Zalatoris is a golfer that has his spots. Torrey Pines, Augusta National, the mm-hmm. majors. I think these are going to be places we're going to see him succeed. And then I think the fact that, again, like you pointed out, the narrative this week, which I think is completely valid, being that we've seen immaculate ball strikers that have struggled with the putter win here, Daniel Berger, um, Justin Thomas. So I think it would be very fitting for Zalatoris to win at the same place that Justin Thomas and Daniel Berger have. I think they've have shown themselves to be top five iron players on the PGA tour over the past, you know, five or six or so years. So a lot of things are pointing. I like the fact that he played the last two weeks, 28 to one on bet 365, I think is a good number. It's going to happen, you know, just hopefully it happens this week. Yeah. I can agree with mostly everything that you said right there. I, I have some concerns that like a lot of water maybe isn't the best spot for him. Cause yeah. he can get a little bit loose off the tee and like 100% if he misses a couple there, he can sort of find his way, find his way out of it. Cameron Young's right underneath him who kind of wanted to bet. I've had this sort of theory with Cameron Young that I think he's so good and I know that he's going to win kind of like you feel about Zalatoris, but I still feel like he's in this stage where his number is going to fluctuate. And maybe given the performance at the open, we may not see that anymore. But like thinking that I was going to get him like 120 to one there, I, you would have laughed at like the memorial given us form. But I, I still think like the spot to grab him is maybe after like one or two bad starts. Um, and maybe you could find him at a decent number above 50. And I think that he's just as likely to win then as he is at 26 to 30 to one. Um, so I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass on Spieth. I'm going to pass on Morikawa. I might, I'd like this close to Burns, and I probably need you to push me over the edge there. I don't Stand even know. Me. Like, I woke up this morning, like Monday mornings, like, I'm like, wake up early and I'm like, refreshing DraftKings, like, seeing, You're dialed see, in. like, I'm like, ready to go Monday morning. And Sam Burns opened up at 40 to 1, and I'm like, this is a ridiculous number. Like, yes. it is truly a ridiculous number. Given the fact that he lost in a playoff here last year, given the fact that he pops and wins PGA Tour events. However, he has not been in the best of form. I don't think there's really That's what any I was denying it. And obviously the number is good. But my gut feeling, I'll probably cash it out to be honest. My gut feeling about Sam Burns is that Although he's a very popular player, I don't feel like he's very popular when he wins on tour. I feel like Mm. a lot of people are not betting him those weeks. So what happens is everyone is upset that they missed out those weeks and he seems to win a lot because he usually wins when he's not that obvious. You know, his three wins, Valspar, everyone was on him early. They hopped off. Not that many. No one was on him at the Sanderson. He was the favorite. Um, And then the Valspar, he wasn't really that popular. Um, and then the Charles Schwab, I didn't feel like he was that popular yeah. in play. So everyone wants to be on a Sam Burns win. And I feel like this is a perfect opportunity given the fact that he lost in the playoff here and it's Bermuda grass. I don't know. Maybe the number's fair. I'm not going to be the one to say absolutely it's a slam dunk play given the recent form. Yep. The 40, I think you're right. And and as always, like hopping on early golf numbers is always advantageous. I don't have the 40. I missed that. 
30 was what I was presented with. And that's what's giving me like a little bit of caution. I know there are still some 33s hanging out there, but you mentioned at the recent forum, which is what um, put me on my next bet. I have, I actually have two of them right here. So 35 to one, the first bet I took on the board is Sung JM. I do think Sung JM has good form. I do trust his ability to hit fairways, which I think is important here. Like that was one of the other concerns when I looked at Burns. When I looked at like fairways gains, which I know can be a flawed stat, they all can, right? But he's 117th. Um, that's not really good at TPC Southwind, especially if you're missing left and missing right. There's a ton of water in place. Sung JM is much more accurate. I think that uh, his iron play has sort of been coming around. Let me pull up what I had on him. Fourth in strokes gained, tee to green. Eighth in ball striking. Top 10 in fairways gained. Good performance last week at the Wyndham. I think that he's trending in the right direction. I mentioned sort of a link in my mind to, to the Honda and Bermuda courses, which I do think he plays his best at those type of, of golf courses. I think that it's his preferred surface. 35 to 1, I think, given his form coming in, um, is a fair number, but he's had a relatively disappointing year by by every other stretch. I think Sanjay M is a really great bet this week. I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think it checks the biggest box for us, which is winners have just been showing great form before they win. And he has it back to back second place finishes at the 3M Open and the window. You get him on a shorter Bermuda course. He's deadly accurate off the tee. And that's not, you know, just some eye test. Oh, I've seen like he is an excellent driver of the ball. I think the only thing really is that he just hasn't performed the way a lot of people would want to see, given all the boxes he checks at this very event but sometimes if there's one thing to overlook i think it definitely can be course history so i i think sanjay's a great bet i very may well be there with you i'm just gonna kind of have to see how things shake out but i really do think it is a fantastic play this week yeah the other one for me is i tag team this area and and there is some concerns here in terms of recent form because it's not nearly as good as sanjay's but i took shane lowry um just think he's been trending all year. We're not in that point where he's like 22, 25 to one anymore. I got a 40 on him. He lost almost eight strokes putting last week at the Wyndham. It was a weird week for him. I I'm, I think if I read, read his Twitter correctly, he flew back here to Palm Beach because he thought that he missed the cut, made the cut, flew back early in the morning and just kind of played like crap over the weekend, which I think can be expected. Um, he does have some good performances here, a top 10. He also had a 23rd, I believe, in 2020 here. Um, the approach play for him has just been been really good. Even at the Wyndham, gained 4.3 on approach, gained 5.3 the start before that that was measured. Um, I don't know, man. It's just I just I It's one of those ones where... I don't really have a ton of data to back it up. It was just a gut feel play here at 40 that I went with. Yeah, no, I, I you know, I'm not going to, you know, say it's my absolute favorite play in the world. In my opinion, his chance to win this season was at the RBC. I think that stretch he went on, I think that's where he really should have capitalized to win. But again, he, he could get it done this week. And I think 40 is a great number. You got anybody else in this area that I'm missing? Hovland, like, that's a great number on Victor. Hideki, Fandle has a 50 on Hideki. Like, if you want to take a chance on upside and a guy who was in a playoff last year, it seems like a silly number. No, uh, 100%. I, I think that given Decky's just, you know, 
recent history of just withdrawing and doing really nothing on the PGA Tour, mixed with the live rumors. I think no one wants him at all this week. I just think there are too many question marks around him. Granted, 50 to 1 is a great number for a guy that lost in a playoff here last year. You know, betting someone like that is not really up my alley, something I'm going to do, but it is, again, you know, it is a pretty good. It is a pretty good number. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a, if you're willing to take it, I mean, every single week, Joe, we bet golfers that miss the cut or don't even sniff cont- contention. So what, what's, you know, what's really the difference? Our boy here says you love Hovland's win equity. Is he, is, is this like a troll attempt or no, do you I, actually I, like him this week? I, I've said some things about Victor Hovland um, in the past. I don't think he was deserving of number three in the world, uh, but he does need a big boy win. He does need yeah. a statement win on the PGA tour. Again, going to a place that rewards ball striking had that really excellent showing at the open championship. I think he's a much better bet now than he was two or three weeks ago before the open championship. So I have no problem with Hovland. I think he's a pretty good bet um, in this range. I won't be there kind of out of principle, but yeah, no, no, no qualms with, uh, with uh, Hovland this week. Like him and Decky stick out to me. It's like, maybe Burns, but Hideki's better than all the rest of these guys. Like he's bet he's he's straight up better than Sung JM. He's a lot better than Tom Kim. And I love Tom Kim, but Hideki's like a way better. He's better than Lowry. He's better than Horschel. But like so it just it, it feels like now may not be the right time, but he also feels like he's on he's on the discount like blue light aisle uh because of it. I'm gonna hit you with kind of a weird one, Brian. This is my best bet of the week. This comes in a weird range for me, but some of like the 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 couple ones of these that I've hit have been relatively cringeworthy. When you see this, you may look like his picture uh, in this photo here. <laughs> Taking Tyrell Hatton, um, love it. I've been waiting uh, on the edge of my seat as to your best bet of the week, so I'm I'm happy with a Hatton pick here. All right, let me sell you on him. Uh, watched a lot of him last week. He was a late ad after talking to Jeff Feinberg at 40 to one. And he was really my only guy that had a chance. I had a terrible card. So I followed him very closely his last three starts. So um, plus 18.4 strokes T to green. And that's weird for Hatton. Like that's not necessarily his, his forte. I would say um, two of those starts, you aren't going to see the strokes gain data because they came at the two European tours. Like if you're looking at fantasy national, at least if you look at my boy, Rick run goods website, he's got those up plus 18.4 strokes gain T degree Bermuda. Like this guy lives on <laughs> Bermuda, man. Like even the last 24 third in the field. Um, he's fantastic. He, he made his place in Orlando. He's got sort of the API win. he's played good at the heritage. He won in South Carolina Last week, also first in scrambling in the field at the Wyndham, which I think is a good sign because he didn't putt well. Um, and he hasn't the last three starts, even though he has good finishes, he hasn't really put that together with the putter, which I know that is probably the strength of his game. I feel like if he can marry that up, he sets up really well this week. Strokes gain total. If you just look at Bermuda grass courses that he's played, he's fourth. So he's always seemed to find his his comfort zone and an anti-rage Hatton when he's on Bermuda for some reason. 
the recent form, eighth, 11th, 24th. Like what I know there is four can actually five consecutive starts where each one has been a little bit better than the last. It's exactly what we want to see when we talk about trending form, when we talk about lead in, um, you know, eye catching stuff that may get you on it. The course history at the bottom there is not like anything to write home about, but it's also not terrible. What I do like about it is that there is plenty of experience there. This isn't like his first, second, or third time. He should have the course routing down. I feel like he's got it dialed in tee to green, which will keep him out of the water. If he can just putt well, I think he can get in contention, and a 55-1 to I feel like is a very fair betting price. No, I I don't even think it's fair. I think it's a great price. I think it's a really good um, number on a guy that's, again, being top five in the – official world golf rankings and has won elite fields um, in difficult conditions. So I think it's a great bet. Um, I'm, you know, the tee to green, like you pointed out, has been really great. So again, if he could marry kind of what he does best historically, I think it could be a really good week. Um, someone I'm betting in this range, I got kind of a crazy number on him on bet rivers early, but I'll be backing Aaron wise this week. I got a top okay. six each way. On him at 80 to 1 on Bent Rivers this morning. It's down to 60 right now. So, wow. again, that gets a little wonky. But he was someone I was targeting kind of the first time I realized this is really a course that rewards elite ball striking because that is exactly what Aaron Wise does really well. He's not that far removed from a second place finish at the Memorial, 13th at the Wyndham last week, losing 3.4 strokes on approach that makes i don't know how he lost that much on approach given how talented he of a ball striker he is but it's almost like if someone that's a great putter loses strokes putting you back them the next week he putted well again on fast bermuda greens so i think aaron wise is a slam dunk top 20 top 10 play i don't think he will win but i really do think aaron wise is going to have a fantastic week and although he does not have any course history to speak of, he is absolutely my favorite, like long shot mid range guy this week. Definitely Aaron wise for me. Yeah. I like that. The each way price is definitely attractive there. 81 was a great number. He's 55 to one right now. Must've been getting hammered over at DraftKings. Still a 75 to one. Where is this at? This is at bet. Three, six, five is still out there. Yeah. I, like I really, and you can bet the each ways on it. I really do believe it is an excellent each way bet Um, this week. Again, someone that I believe has just been playing some really great golf recently. And if he figures it out with the putter, he is too talented of a ball striker to have a a bad week. So I think a top 20, top 10 is is a really great play. Yeah. Corey Connors kind of is same price, 75 to one right now. Fits the Aaron Wise mold a little bit. A guy who struggled to really break through for victory. Last week, classic Corey Connors week, gains four and a half on approach, loses it all back putting. Um, still finished 21st at the Wyndham, still managed the 28th at the Open on a course that didn't really fit him. Haven't seen a lot of Corey Con lately, um, but as always, strikes the piss out of the ball, just can't putt it. Um, Cameron Davis, you start getting into the hundreds. Adam Scott, like he was bad last week, right? It was good the week before. Yeah, he was not. No, he did not have a great week last week. Yeah, he kind of shit the bed on the weekend last week. 76. Ugh. You don't see many of those with, with a made cut. Um, moving down, you got Keegan 
like these are hard to take in a field like this, right? Is there anything like a hundred to one plus that you see any potential value on? No, I I don't know if I'll be betting much down here, but I think the the clear play um, would be Sahith at like one fifty to one. That seems to yeah. me with an each way again. I, I would prefer it with an each way, but that just seems like a little bit of an outrageous price hmm. on someone that has had really a fantastic year that people have been betting at 35 to one in a lot weaker fields. Um, I think it's a great draft DraftKings play. I think a top 20 um, or so would be a nice bet on him, but he again has shown success on TPC courses that reward, um, you know, kind of ballsy play had a great finish at both, um, uh, the waste management and also the travelers. So again, there might be something there. He might be the new KH Lee. So <laughs> Sahith, a hundred plus, like with an each way, I think that's a great bet. I, I oh I don't know if I'm gonna get there. I'll probably have room on my card, but yeah, I think no brainer. The what best bet over a hundred to one would be Sahith. I agree. TPC uh Phoenix as well, obviously where they had um you know, the, the waste management open is, was one of his best finishes of the year besides the travelers. So seems to have a fit, seems to like risk reward situations. I know there's a couple holes like that down the stretch here. Um, he goes for it, which I can appreciate. Um, and those are the type of, especially in an outright market, if you don't have access to, to an each way, you, you got to trust that they've got some win equity and they're going to actually like go for victory on Sunday and not try to just secure like a fourth place. Um, so hit is, is kind of that guy. I would, uh, definitely agree. Best bet of the week in terms of, of a hundred plus on the board. What do you think about, um, Brendan Steele? I know that he's probably going to be a pretty popular selection this week with just how talented of a ball striker he is and just how great he's been hitting it. And again, I think that again, I'm not saying the narrative is untrue, but I just think that people this week are really focused on ball strikers that maybe struggle with the putter. So I think he is a pretty obvious play here down the board again, um, you know, for a top 10, someone that can cash in each way for you. And it's, you're not asking much from him because he's done it recently and he's had some really great finishes. So I think, uh, what, what do you think about Steele this week? Would agree with you in terms of like top 10, top 20 DraftKings type play. I do like him. He's second in the field in terms of, of what I rank ball striking. He's seventh tee to green. He's third in, in, in ball striking over a longer perspective. So um, everything's really clicking. It's just obviously the putting 109th uh, and the, it's just killing him. So do I think that he can win? Probably not. I maybe worry that where like Memorial PGA, like may is, is potentially when he peaked these, like it's tough with guys who like, aren't the, like elite of the elite top 20 players in the world, because you're, you my concern is that they don't withstand form for long enough. They can go on four five, six weeks runs once or twice a year. And then it kind of expires. It's, it's just like, this was my run. And I'm worried that maybe it was potentially over. Obviously the miscut at the three end rebounded pretty well with the rocket mortgage, although really got killed with the putter there as well. Um, it's just tough, man, because you're right. You can't like Justin Thomas's in, in elite level peak of his game. Brooks Kepka can get it done while losing strokes putting it, Ultimately, I think if Brendan Steele's going to win a tournament, he's going <laughs> to have to gain like two or three strokes yeah. putting, which is just unlikely. Yeah, no. So 
Are you happy that Brooks has went to live and you haven't had to, to debate as to whether or not to bet him? Because I like, I, I, I wouldn't like, I think I've known maybe a little bit as like kind of a Brooks hater and it started at this event last year because I bet him outright because I was like, yo, this guy has amazing course history. Like we're not that far removed from the open championship where he had a top six finish. Like, yo, like this is the week for Brooks and he played God awful, like yeah. really bad. And I was like, I am never betting him in a non-major ever again in my yeah. entire life so this is this event was kind of where i turned on him last year i was old you know i was always team brooks um but i i i still rooted for him internally until like the whole thing with with live kind of came to fruition but i was like very against betting him like starting around the pga championship when i started to realize because i had always listened very closely to brooks and if you can kind of weed through a lot of the bullshit and nonsense that he says, there are actually parts where um, if you can read it correctly, he'll tell you like exactly like I remember early on when he was like, yeah, I my first start back is always like a tune up. Like I need two to three tournaments always before a major to to get myself ready for the four big events of the year. That's why I use those events as tune ups when he stopped playing two weeks before the major and the week before a major at the PGA. I'm like, I can't bet this guy. I can't bet him playing one tournament a month. There was a point in time at, I believe it was the U S open where like in the last eight weeks, he had less rounds played than tiger woods. Like you, you it's, it was unbelievable the schedule that he was on. And it became pretty clear to me later that um, he had intentions to go to live for, for quite a while and just, I think adjusted his practice schedule accordingly. And I'm not going to hate on him for it. Like, look, yeah. you worked your whole life to um, be able to take this big check and, and relax and not grind for eight hours a day on a hot driving range. Good for you. But I, I just became sort of off from a betting perspective then. And then the way that he sort of handled everything transferring over there, there was a way he could have done it where I still would have been like, in his camp, I guess, so to speak, yeah. but the way everything went down really sort of soured me on, on his, his competitive nature, which is always what sold me on him. Like I love the fiery. I love the, like him being different and like bringing that to golf where it's like, I don't give a fuck if you like me or not. Like I'm here to like be the alpha and take everyone out. I was endeared by that at one point when he was on top, but as that started to go and the competitiveness faded, it just became a shtick. Yeah, no, 100%. And, you know, I, I really do believe that he was the most dominant major player, like, over the past, you know, five years or so. I mean, you know, what he did culminating at Beth Page, like, a, you know, Thursday 63, and just when it, it was just up, really dominant for a really long time. And it's unfortunately over. And that's just kind of how golf is. So, do you have any inside info down in uh, Florida about Camp Smith? Or is he a hundred percent gone in your eyes? Like wh where do you like is Cam Smith just gone? Like is that I hope it? not, but like what our boy Boston <laughs> Capper got on with Cam Percy, it was yeah. like red flag city, man. And that was I'm like hoping again, like again, I'm totally like I'm assuming he's gone. Like I'm not I wouldn't be surprised at this point. I'm hoping that Cam Percy 
like it's just like the rest of us and it's just like it's just rumor just mongers. like he is just like literally just on the same level as us as to knowing nothing just hearing all the rumors but it is super interesting how it played out because before the open championship at least in the circles we run in there was literally no rumors about cam smith going to the open championship like legitimately none never was a thought in the head and then a reporter asks him he gives a horrible response and then all the rumors just pile on top of each other when there was no new information that came out. So in my opinion, Scotty Scheffler should let Cam Smith win the FedEx cup playoffs. So he changes his mind and he doesn't need to go to live. So that's kind of my case for the PGA tour, how to fix it. Just let Cam Smith win the FedEx cup. So he will not go to live and we'll all be good. They might not need to let him. He might just do it, man. He's that good. Like, He's so awesome, and I hope that he doesn't go for so many reasons. But um, like Cameron Percy kind of said, like I don't, I don't fault. I'm not one of those people that are gonna like fault anyone. Like, there's a thing. Like, okay, you can earn. I don't know, man. You earn ten, fifteen million dollars. Like, yes, your life is going to be fantastic. You're gonna have a great life, no matter what you do. You're set up. But like a hundred million, a hundred twenty million, like. I don't know. As a person who has kids now, you start to think like, okay, my then my kids are good. Then my kids' kids are good. Like you have generational like family wealth that you're going to be like, you're setting up your family tree forever. So I can't fault like any of them. And, he, and I don't know that Cam Smith is necessarily thinking about that at this point, which could be to the benefit of the PGA tour. I also don't know that he like, like has a deep, and maybe I'm wrong. I know nothing about him, but it just doesn't feel like he has this like deep love for the history of the PGA tour and like PGA yeah. tour golf. Valid. Like Scotty does, you know, do you no, get that's, that? Sense? That's, that's a valid um, point there. I, I don't really think so either. I just think the reason why a lot of people are so thrown off is that after the players championship, he obviously made those remarks um, about yeah. how, this money isn't going to change his life or he doesn't really care about money. So for them, for him to go to live, I just think it caught a lot of people by surprise. And it, unless you're Scotty Scheffler, it's, it was hard to like, it's hard to make more money than Cam Smith has made on the PGA tour this year. You win the players championship, 3.6 million, you win a major 2.5 million. You have another win and you're probably going to finish top three in the FedEx cup. At least. So, like, if he's going to go winning that much money on the PGA Tour, it's just like, all right, like, there's nothing that the PGA Tour could have really done in that instance to keep him because he's had an unbelievable year and it's still not enough for him. He's had an unbelievable year. Um, it's been a fun run. I hope that sort of him and Scotty can get into a little bit of a like it gets it gets into a duel between those two because yeah. that'll be fun. They've been the two best players all year. Like there's sort of an argument to say that like if you want to go down that road, that Cam Smith has had just as impressive of a year. Didn't have the Masters, but obviously his wins were were in incredible fields. So. Um, rare that some guy wins three tournaments as big as he does and may not win player of the year, but it'll be fun, man. I'm looking forward to this next run headed up, uh, of course, until East Lake where everyone knows I hate the tour championship. So I may boycott that, but excited for, for the FedEx cup, St. Jude. I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate the hell out of you for doing that and taking some time out of your Monday 
tap in birdie live tomorrow night who do you got on the show what's going on i got a uh, millie maker drew matthews coming on yeah uh, he he's always good so i'm excited to have you on uh we'll get we'll get one swing season and then i don't want you to have you on for the honda again like you're 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 to becoming the honda guy like you gotta branch out like you gotta have a different tournament vibe so you know swing season and then your your choice next regular season for for tib that sounds great. I appreciate it, man. Continue the rise. Continue doing big things. Um, thanks, Brian. I'll talk to you later. Of course. Be good, Joe. Peace, buddy. Good as always to talk to Brian. I'm going to get to a few questions here uh, as we wrap up the show. So, um, Connor, if you're still here, Chris Kirk comment. I actually do like Chris Kirk a lot. He's had some good runs uh, coming in. Uh, Rocket Mortgage was a good start for him. I love his ability to sort of hit fairways. I love his ability to to putt well and scramble. Um, I mentioned I'm looking at sort of the Honda Classic and some other tournaments along down here in the south with these quick Bermuda grass greens. He had a fifth there. Do like Chris Kirk in terms of Nick asking me uh, any love for Hoagie. I Like Hoagie for me, I want to see more wedges in his hand. I feel like this tournament is going to bring uh, more so like seven six iron in for him a lot of there's going to be a lot of like 175 180 yard shots for hoagie um and i worry that the form hasn't quite been trending with the same trajectory that it once was um appreciate brian all you guys stopping in in the chat always good to talk to you um prize picks if you haven't done prize picks yet pl 100 will give you a hundred dollar deposit match on your first deposit um, yeah, they're going to sponsor the final thoughts segment, which I'll go ahead and get into uh, right now. I do this segment at the end of the show each week. Um, if you're here just for the golf stuff, I always announce this is a little sort of uh, off topic ish type segment where I try to bring in uh, a little bit of mental health stuff related back to golf and, and just talk about me. So you guys can hopefully get to know me better. I get to know you feels a little more personable. Here's we go. Don't let your mistakes define you. Life is long. Uh, relationships are long. Golf tournaments are long. Uh, be resilient. Don't let like an early mistake in a new, especially in a new endeavor, like discourage your your possibilities or your will to to keep going. Um, of course, like this came to me at watching uh, Tom Kim do what he did. Ju Young Kim last week became the first PGA Tour player in history to start with a quad, go on to win the golf tournament. Almost like equally as impressive, not like from a win perspective, but he started with an eight on a par four and co-led after 36 holes. Not sure that's ever happened either. Um, I talked to Brian earlier about it, and I thought a lot about like how he was able to do that. And was it just this uh, youthful exuberance, so to speak? Was it um, because of his age and excitement level to just be competing on the PGA Tour? Did that sort of free him up to just quickly move on? At some point in life, and like I'm kind of in that range now, your barometer and willingness to accept making like big mistakes becomes a little bit slanted and I don't think it should I, I think the reasoning is because there can be scar tissue there it can be embarrassing um like is there any scenario I, I asked him where you see Kisner or Zach Johnson like being able to rebound like this probably not I don't know it just made me think the real issue is how often like in life we let our mistakes from the past 
continue to fuel and continue to like make affect the decisions that um, and creep into the present because you screwed up then you're now likely to screw up this also like it's hard to get out of the uh feeling of thinking like that and in, compartmentalizing in an error and a mistake uh, you just need to understand the real they're oftentimes healthy they're oftentimes necessary for you to be a better person a better player they'll help you deal with them eventually when they come up um teddy roosevelt famously said the only man who makes no mistakes is a man who never does anything i can attest to this i've screwed up and made a ton of mistakes bad ones like like quad on the first hole bad ones um it's all a part of the process of determining what's good what you value what you want um, if you don't know what you want or you don't know what you don't want, it's hard to really know what you do easily. Like for me, the best decision of my life was an extremely hard one. So about a year after college, uprooted my life, quit my job, said farewell to my friends, to my family, packed up my Ford Escape with my dog from the shelter and a couple of duffel bags moved to Florida with my then girlfriend. If I hadn't made that decision, I'm not sure where my life would be, but I know it would be very different. And I have so much love and appreciation for where I'm at now with my life career, with her, with our kids, with my house. I'm really like genuinely enjoying life And like, how does a colossal mistake factor into this? So my sophomore year of college, Wheeling, West Virginia, dating my wife for the first two years, my, my then girlfriend. Um, I decided to leave. I don't know why. I just wasn't happy at the time. I ended the relationship with her. I ended the relationship with my teammates. I played lacrosse there. I, I changed schools. It was a huge mistake. Quad on the first hole mistake. Uh, I transferred from a Jesuit school, so I lost a ton of credits. Basically, I had to start over in college. Wasn't playing sports anymore didn't have like teammates and brothers that I had had my entire life and depended on. And, and most of all, I, I lost her who was really good for me. Um, nearly for good. I'm proud that I was 20 years old at the time. And I mustered up enough courage to not let that mistake define me. I worked very hard, long distance to get that relationship back, not to ruin around with a bad first couple of holes. I'm not sure like at 34, six now if i'd be able to do that again like i did at 22 if i'd have the ability to move on past that mistake had i never made it i probably would have never realized what was really good for me and came down here and given this a real shot and, and changed my life for the better um, you can't change your mistakes but you can change how you deal with them and it can possibly alter the course of the future uh, like it did for me um, learn from them, try to use them as fuel for an experience to be a better player, a better golfer, a better husband, father, better person. Um, speaking of which tonight's my seven year wedding anniversary. I may be making, <laughs> I may be making a huge mistake right now by rambling on, on the internet, uh, instead of hanging out with my wife and drinking some wine in the other room. With that said, love y'all. I'll talk to y'all soon. Uh, thanks for checking out preferred lines. Give it a like, give it a sub peace.